Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name's Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know, or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr., and shoot me a message. You can also email me at pastorrandybennett at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and, uh, and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, I ask now that you take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and make them wholly yours, that on this holy Thursday night, we might grow in our understanding, both intellectually and in practice, of who Jesus is and who we are in him. These things I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the full title of tonight's sermon is The Arisen Christ Foreshadowed, Part 3, Agony in the Garden. Yes, it is a lengthy title, but then... Sometimes I'm just full of myself. Since this is part three, there must be a part two and a part one, right? The first instance of resurrection foreshadowing in Mark's gospel occurs in Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43, when, when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. There, for the first time, Peter, James, and John witness Jesus' victory over death. The second instance of resurrection foreshadowing in Mark's gospel occurs in Mark 8 and going into chapter 9 when Jesus is transfigured into his full glory on the mountain. And Peter, James, and John, well, they witness the glory of the great I Am. In both the first and the second instances, Peter, James, and John are witnesses, witnesses to Jesus' divinity to his power and his glory. It makes sense that part one and part two foreshadow Jesus' resurrection, but how does agony in the Garden of Gethsemane foreshadow his resurrection? Well, once again, we see Jesus in a three with him, Peter, James, and John. Simon, whose nickname is Peter, meaning the rock, and James and John, who are known as the sons of thunder, seemingly provide a pro-wrestling cadre of strength to the scene. One would think that with such nicknames as the rock and sons of thunder, that Jesus would have nothing to fear because he's got his homeboys with him, right? After all, Peter boasted that he would stand firm with Jesus, even to death. James and John promised they could be baptized with Jesus' baptism and drink his cup. That's what they said they could do. Jesus gives them a chance to back up their words in this narrative, and they fail. So how does the failure of Peter, James, and John and that failure, and in Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane's garden, how does that serve as a foreshadow of Jesus' resurrection? Well, hang with me. 
Remember that Peter, James, and John actually didn't do anything to help Jesus when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And the three stooges, if you will, didn't do anything to help Jesus reveal his glory on the mountaintop. You see, in both instances, the disciples, they were just bystanders. Their role was to witness. And what they witnessed in the Garden of Gethsemane, between naps, of course. I mean, they had to get their beauty sleeping. What they witnessed in the Garden of Gethsemane is Jesus in agony. So let's talk a little bit about the agony of Jesus that's witnessed by Peter, James, and John in the garden. Jesus began to become deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Now the literal rendering of this text is, he became utterly astonished and overwhelmed with sorrow and agony. See, this is what Jesus' friends saw. This is what his, his, his witness three saw. They saw Jesus, a man, sweating droplets of blood, nearly unable to breathe, writhing in agony as he goes to the Father in prayer. In verse 34, Jesus speaks to his own condition. My soul is in anguish to the point of death. See, before Jesus carries his physical cross, he has this emotional and spiritual peace that he's got to come to. And that is the agony we see in the garden. There's no stoic apathy here on the part of Jesus. There's nothing romantic. You know, sometimes we romanticize war and we romanticize death in movies and on TV. There ain't nothing romantic about it. Nothing nostalgic. He's looking at the cross and he's seeing only pain. As Jesus goes to pray, he admonishes the disciples to prayerfully keep watch. See, the disciples, they had recently heard Jesus teaching in that same location not too long ago where he told them about the end of the age and about his return. And what did he tell them over and over during that, all of that discourse? Keep watch. Still, though, with all that warning and all that teaching, when the time came, Peter, James, and John, they fell short. Going a little further, Jesus, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter. He didn't say Peter this time. He didn't say the rock. He said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The emotional and the spiritual and the, the, the psychological anguish of Jesus before his physical suffering drives him to pray and to keep on praying. Hey, Facebook and anybody in this room, y'all ever heard of an ugly cry? Right, you know, an ugly cry. Uh, you know, when you're crying and you're sobbing is so uncontrollable that 
that your face contorts into something ugly to look at. That just happened. Sorry. Listen. Jesus doesn't just pray here. Jesus ugly prays. He ugly prays. There's no control. There's no politeness as Jesus prays. Jesus is scared. His flesh is tempted by fear. But his divinity responds in prayer. You see, the only way to overcome the weakness of human flesh is by the Spirit of God, even for the Son of Man. Jesus prays three times the same prayer, probably in increments of an hour each. The cup, the cup to which Jesus refers to is the cup of wrath, spoken of earlier in Mark's Gospel and originally spoken of in the prophet Jeremiah. Can you hear? Can you hear the hours of Jesus' prayer? Jesus goes to pray, and before him, his father has placed a cup, and he sees his father pouring his wrath into this cup, and Jesus says, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. That's what Abba means. Daddy. Daddy, please don't do this. Daddy, please don't do this. Please don't make me drink the cup, Daddy. Please. I understand why, why you've given me this, but please, Daddy. Jesus' pattern of agony and prayer continues. Each of the three times, He pauses to check on His disciples who have fallen asleep. Each time he corrects them, he asks them to pray every time they fail. Each time Jesus returns to his daddy one more time in prayer. And he's met, he's met with only heaven's silence. There's no reassuring voice from heaven proclaiming, This is my son whom I love. This is my son. Listen to him. No dove descends. There are no ministering angels that come to serve him. The father has spoken. The son must obey. And the father's silence says everything. But Jesus overcomes the silence. He fights off the human temptation to do what He wills. And through prayer, He accepts the Father's will. Returning the third time, Jesus said to them, Are you still sleeping? Are you still resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus returns to the inner three with a renewed sense of purpose. Though He has accepted... He's accepted his sacrifice as the Lamb of God. He roars into it with the quiet strength of the Lion of Judah. That's not bravado. That's his inward strength, mustering right action with few words. Jesus, certain of his Father's purpose and promise, now goes forth to meet his executioners head 
on. So why is it important? Why is it important for Peter and James and John to witness Jesus' agony in the garden and his prayerful overcoming of that agony? Why is that important? If you stop listening, tune back in now. It's important because it serves as a witness to Jesus' humanity. After all, you can't resurrect somebody that isn't dead. And Jesus is definitely getting ready to die. For all of Jesus' divinity, he was still fully human. Remember, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. And why? Because the first Adam, the first man, failed to overcome temptation in the garden. But the Son of Man, the Son of Adam and the Son of God, He overcame temptation, the temptation of human will, and He did it not by willpower, but by prayer power. The arisen Jesus is foreshadowed by overcoming his fear, his loneliness, and his agony with the power of prayer. Oh, he would die. Just as surely as Adam had died and just as surely as every human will die, Jesus was going to die. And though Jesus prayed for deliverance from death, his father delivered Jesus through death. Hear the difference. He prayed for deliverance from death. His daddy delivered him through death. This is the foreshadow because for Jesus, and listen, for all who follow Jesus, death is only a shadow to be walked through. Only a shadow to be walked through. For God does not deliver us from death. God delivers us through death. And there's somebody out there right now that needs to hear that. God delivers us through death. That is the wondrous, marvelous love of God. That is how powerful His love is for our souls. It is a wonderful and a marvelous love that overcomes fear and loneliness and agony through the death of one of us who is also the one and only Son of the living God. Jesus the Christ. And so we leave the Garden of Gethsemane tonight aware of God's wondrous love through the agony of the Garden and soon the agony of torture and death. And this is God's Word seriously considered this Maundy Thursday for the Church of Christ community and everywhere on Facebook and beyond. All thanks and praise be now to the living God. Amen.